Welcome to Marketing Like a Mother, a podcast made for mumpreneurs by mumpreneurs. Each week we're diving into mum-approved business and marketing strategies to help you grow a profitable and family-friendly business. Today I am your host, Michelle Pulver, and I am chatting with Erin McCarthy, who is someone I actually met very early on in my business journey, and we have been gabbing for the last 20 minutes about basically everything that's happened in our businesses over the last few years. (laughs) So I'm thrilled to bring you on, Erin. Why don't you introduce yourself properly, and then we can get stuck in. (laughs) Sounds great, Michelle. So yeah, so my name is Erin McCarthy. I'm a mindfulness coach and philosophical counselor. And um, I also work with academics. So um, I'm a faculty coach. So helping, um, you know, academics finish writing projects, start writing projects or move forward in their professional career. So I've got, you know, lots of things, but I would say the, the thing I do that overarches all of them is my mindfulness coaching. And Having been a philosophy professor for 22 years, just recently retired early because of a whole other thing. Maybe we'll get into that. <laughs> um, I, um, I bring mindfulness and philosophy combined in, in everything I do. And most important, I think, for trying to figure out how to be a mompreneur or a solopreneur or whatever it is, is that I have a 13-year-old twin girls. So I've tried to, you know, and that's just a lot. At, at this moment, it's <laughs> particularly a lot of hormones in my house. So. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, well, good um, on you. I've we only were... got one and he keeps me busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so as we were chatting about before, you know, like sort of toddlers and teens, I'm seeing like it's the same thing, but the teens have more words and, and you can't pick them up and plop them in their rooms. And they... Oh, gosh. <laughs> So, but it's, but it's fantastic. So yeah, so that's, um, and I've been doing this, I guess I I started my business in 2018. um, Mm. And uh, I think that was around then that you and I met. Yeah. And yeah. uh, Yeah. And it's so been a now, longer time than we probably right. I always think, oh, it's just been a few years. Then I'm like, oh I no, know. it's you know. So it, it's it's yeah. taken a while to figure things out, and I wish now that I, you know, I wish that I knew some of the things, I wish that I knew then the things I knew now. So I love this, that Mm. you're doing this podcast and the things um, that you're offering, because it it can help people earlier on sort things out. Yeah, I think there is such a sort of tradition in other areas of life where we just pass along this knowledge. And I don't know why it feels like it's so guarded in areas like business. Mm -hmm. And I don't think ed- like education knowledge should ever be hidden away. Probably right? as an educator, you feel similarly, but absolutely, I-, I think it's really lovely to be able to, like you said, show people who are stuck where you were stuck, how right. to move out of that stuck place. There's no need, there's no need to stay there. That's um, right. So I'm curious what prompted you to start your entrepreneurial journey. If you were already a professor, if you were already kind yeah. of on a path, yeah. what happened in your life and what prompted this change? So, so it was a couple of things. So one thing was that I had a long commute. So I live here in Ottawa, Canada, and the university I was teaching at was in upstate New York. So it was a 90 minute commute Mm. um, each way. And it was only three days a week. But when you add that up, like you lose nine hours, you know, so, Mm. um, so partly I was getting really tired of the, of the, um, of the commute, but I'd also burned out twice. (laughs) So I now help academics not do that. Um, but I, yeah, I burned out a couple of times. And then we were having some um, 
concerning uh, issues with my daughter, my one of my girls was uh, experiencing a lot of anxiety at a really mm. young age. And I was just realizing, I was like, you know, I, even though it's a job where people are like, you know, if you're, if you've, if you've got tenure and you've got, you know, your promotions, it's, you're in there for life. Why would you give up the golden ticket? So many people mm-hmm. want it. And I remember thinking at one point that I, I, I was very tired of the commute. And after I recovered from my last burnout, <laughs> I was like, I, it was clear to me that I wanted to do something different. I was starting to get a little bit bored. And you know, the nice thing about academia is you can, you can reinvent yourself like mm. over and over. And I did. Um, and, but I, I've always been someone who likes doing a whole bunch of things. So, um, you know, all through my academic work, I was working as a, uh, I was also working as an academic coach on the side for this larger company. But um, I was teaching mindfulness on campus as well. Mm. Um, And so it was doing that. I did some trainings and then was offering more and more mindfulness on campus and thought, oh, I really like doing this. Like, I really like doing this. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, that's what started me. And I started working with kids, actually. I started doing um, mindful kids programs because oh, wow. that's really my, cool. yeah, my daughters were in grade school and I knew that it could help them. So I, I had you know, been teaching my university students and facilitating some meditation groups on campus. Then I was like, well, once the girls were in kindergarten, I thought, well, what can I do in their classroom? And they went to an alternative school, which is part of the public school system here in Ontario, but or in Ottawa anyway, but it's uh, it's kind of a different emphasis. It emphasizes mm. the whole child and it was very, very open to involving parents. And I thought, oh, I could teach mindfulness to kids. So of course, being an academic, I went off into the training <laughs> and, um, and then I came back and started, you know, volunteering in class. And then someone said, oh, you should, you should teach this. And the girls were studying at an art studio, um, or was it both or just one of them? And the woman who owned the art studio was also a parent at the school where my girls went. And we just got chatting. And it turned out she was an entrepreneur. She had started this business. She said, mm-hmm. well, if you ever want to rent space from me, you can. And I thought, well, yeah, why not? <laughs> so that was how I started. And, you know, my mindful kids classes were filling up and, and that was really good. Um, and I thought, yeah, I really like, really, really like doing this work, but I still wasn't working with adults at that point, other than my, you know, well, I was because I was doing it on campus, mm-hmm. but then I was really thinking, that's what really got me thinking, well, maybe I can do this like full time, like this would be mm. amazing and I wouldn't have to commute and I said, my husband and I were going for a walk um, to the art studio where one of our daughters was in camp. And I said, you know, I just wish there was a sign, you know, that to to know whether I should follow this or not. We walked around the corner and there was a sign. There was like (laughs) a literal sign. It was like a sandwich board. And it was a meditation studio opening. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like, what? I thought, oh, I wonder if they need people. And so I walked in. It was under construction. (laughs) I walked in. And um, it was the owner's son and he, you know, gave me Jana's number and I called her up and I said, are you, are you looking for teachers? She said, yes. And that was, that was it. And so she had been an entrepreneur many times over and Kate who ran the art studio had been an entrepreneur uh, as well. And so I just started talking to the two of them and Mm. then thought, okay, I'm going to do this now. (laughs) The plan 
was, and so I had a few, you know, I, I had a few clients. I started renting a space for like a half day to see people live. This was all, um, you know, 2018, 2019. So it, it, I was really enjoying it. And then um, I, at the beginning of 2020, January, 2020, I got rear-ended oh. and yeah, I sustained a concussion just at the time where I was really excited about the semester we, for as the university professor, I was all in again because we had a new VP of student life and he was really interested in wellness and getting students, you know, like having me do uh, teach more mindfulness, do mindfulness mm. coaching for students. Like it was, it was a whole, you know, 20 years into my career, I was going to get to reimagine it. And oh. again, in that context with oh. that salary, you know, I was like, okay, it was perfect. It was perfect. And then I, I was like, I can, I can, and I can do the commute. I can do it for another, you know, however many years. And then I got rear-ended mm. and I sustained a concussion and it was a bad one. And mm. I didn't work um, at the university for two years. And wow. um, I've made a big recovery. Part of it was through mindfulness while I was, um, uh, you know, on, you know, I had to be on disability for a year. Like I couldn't, mm. For the first couple months, I couldn't read. Like it gave wow. me such a headache, and I couldn't sort of make sense of the. My eyes wouldn't follow the. Yeah, I had wow. debilitating headaches. Um, I was exhausted, like just completely exhausted. And then, you know, any kind of exercise, um, caused my heart rate to just spike. You know, like so it was it was it was it was pretty bad. I'm largely better now, but. Mm, the driving like that kind of commute my brain was just like nope cannot do it it was just too yeah. much of a cognitive load and I thought okay this is this is the time and you know in my wild dreams when I had started teaching at the meditation studio which sadly closed because of COVID but when I had started teaching there Janet the owner and I were talking and she was like okay let's get you a plan to move out of academia so you don't have to commute mm -hmm. I was like okay three-year plan so I started, you know, roughly when I was 50 and I was like, I'll retire when I'm 53. And I thought, oh, pff, that's never going to happen. But because of the concussion, that's what happened. So I retired wow. from the university at the end of August. And now this, this is what I do. I taught one class at Ottawa U this past um, uh, year without a big commute. Um, <laughs> and I really liked it. And I taught a class on um, that included a mindfulness component. So wow. it's, it's, it's all uh, kind so of coming back together. Again. It's coming back together. It's a, that was a really long answer, but <laughs> <laughs> it was a good, interesting story though. And I think <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that's really relatable in that life started to weigh on you, the commute, yeah. the not being home with your kids. Yeah. Like, I think that's something a lot of us who have taken matters into our own hands and started yeah. our own businesses can really relate to yeah. I, I'm going to ask a very silly question but I've okay. heard the term mindfulness thrown yes. around and I can't say I fully understand it I am oh, the least awesome. woo the least question. like spiritually open person yeah. but yeah I've heard it I want to understand it can yeah. you help explain yes, it to me absolutely like and a four-year-old <laughs> yes I absolutely can and um you know sort of sidebar um, the kind of mindfulness I teach is probably the least woo mindfulness out there. I love it. That's I have a very it. practical <laughs> approach. <laughs> um, I can go to the woo, but mm. you know, my thing is like, no, let's make this practical. So, <laughs> so here's the, the classic definition of mindfulness. This is John Kabat-Zinn. He's like, you know, like the father of mindfulness. It's um, non-judgmental awareness of the present moment. Mm. 
it. It's just, it's just really being present in the here mm -hmm. and now instead of getting yanked into the past or pushed into the future, right? Yeah. So if you think about it, where I go always in parenting is, you know, <laughs> I'll have a fight with one of my daughters. Um, you know, right now, right now, I don't get what, that's uh, not true. It, I get told on a daily basis that I'm ruining their lives. So, oh, you know, this is what it is from what to understood. have 13 year old. <laughs> exactly. Um, and that's fine. But, um, you know, so this is, this is how, what happens in my mind. So let's say we have like a, a big disagreement, a big fight, and I get triggered by one of them. And, you know, so I would before like spiral from, mm -hmm. okay, had a fight with my kid or got triggered by my kid because of past issues, whatever it is, behaved in a way I didn't want to behave. Oh my God, I've ruined our relationship. Mm -hmm. We're going to end up. Uh, they're going to end up like, you know, like, we're not going to have a healthy relationship, they're going to end up drug addicts, you know, on the street, like, you know, how you yeah. just like spiral from <laughs> yeah. how to fight with my kid to I'm the worst mom in the whole world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so let me just say that that is, um, why did I start saying that there was a connection between the, the definition <laughs> of mindfulness, right? So how can mindfulness, like how can being in the present moment help a situation? like that well we can mm -hmm. also think about mindfulness as three skills coming together three attentional skills coming together so the first one is concentration power and mm -hmm. so for a lot of people they like to they, they like this skills-based definition because it, it feels like something you Concrete. can grab onto yeah yeah so <laughs> concentration power your ability to place your attention and here's the thing where you want it to go when you want it to go there mm. Right. So yeah. instead of like, you know, and a lot of us, um, you know, get pulled away in our everyday work by kids or by, you know, social media or whatever it is. Right. So mm -hmm. so placing your attention where you want to go, when you want it to go there and having the skill to bring it back. Right. Mm -hmm. That's that's mindfulness. The second skill is sensory clarity. So oh, this interesting. is, yeah, being able to track your experience in real time. And yeah. the the reason that's so important is because, you know, if we're talking about our physical sensations, they, they move a bit slower than our thoughts. Because mm -hmm. if you try to grab your thought, like sometimes they go so fast that you can't, <laughs> you can't grab them, right? Yep. <laughs> but our relative to our thoughts, our physical sensations move a little slower. Our sensory, mm. you know, as a sensory system, things move a little slower. So yeah, focusing on your senses alone always brings you back to the present moment because they're mm -hmm. happening now. And they yeah. also give you a ton of information, right? So if I notice that every time before I yell at my, I'm looking like as if they're going to walk in the door. <laughs> Um, every time I, you know, end up yelling at the girls, it's preceded by this like clenching of my stomach and I feel yeah. myself getting flushed. I, if I, if I know that happens, that gives me the power to choose something different to be like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm going to yell soon. I better, I better interrupt this pattern. Yeah. So sensory clarity alone gives you a ton of information. And then the yeah. third skill is kind of the the like special sauce, I guess, or like the magical <laughs> ingredient, which is equanimity. And it's a big, Ooh. you know, equanimity, which is the ability to not get pushed and pulled around by our experience. Oh, interesting. Okay. So that meaning didn't... like being back in control of your own part of the experience. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yep. That's it. Exactly. exactly. That's really cool. 
I, I went through cognitive behavioral therapy for ah. a, a phobia. And so much of that really reminds me of that process of yeah. feeling the fear in your body, right. acknowledging that it exists, and then yep. taking back the control of right. your feelings. So I can kind of see how the philosophy and the motherhood and yeah. the mindfulness all really work together and make sense yeah. as yeah, like a unit that you use. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love and in that. fact, there's a, there's a mindfulness-based cognitive therapy program. Well, <laughs> yes. So it actually, and some of the techniques I use with clients come out of MICBT. Yeah. Very cool. I'm a yeah. big fan of all things mental health and finding yes, me too. ways yeah. to manage our bodies because we're not you know, we're not born with instruction manuals, as any parent knows. And I feel like it's a lifelong journey to try and figure out how to operate this body, this mind we have. So I think anything that helps us get a better handle on it and be more intentional. And like you're saying in your examples around your daughters, being able to show up the way you want and react in the way you want in those relationship building. Like, I think that's, that's huge. That's got to have amazing impact I'm I'm curious how how you help people do that. That sounds so heady, but I'm yeah. sure there's some sort of practical processes you want people through. Yeah, it's super practical. And and in fact, you know, on the parenting, even though I started, well, I, did, I started my business working with kids. You know, I'd been working with adults for a long time. The the research, and there's not a lot, you know, because of informed consent and doing research. Mm-hmm. You know, children as research subjects, but the research that has been done around mindfulness and parenting shows that you know mother like parent mindful parents have the biggest impact on their kids and it's not teaching Mm. them about mindfulness it's them modeling you it's you being a mindful parent has a bigger impact on your kids than teaching them mindfulness skills isn't that interesting interesting? I mean they're just little sponges they want to learn everything the way they can I love it exactly yeah so um Okay, so yeah, how do you do this practically? So <laughs> how do you I do mindfulness? Say, <laughs> how do you do mindfulness? So, I you know one of my um, oh, and because you mentioned mental health, I I mm. also you know I, I mean I said mindfulness coach, but I also um, realized okay, I'm not you know like people are sort of like what is a mindfulness coach? But I'm also like a mental health coach, really. Mm. Like that's you it know, sounds like that too. That, a lot of what yeah. you're talking about, yeah. So um, yeah, so how do you do mindfulness? So I, if I have a superpower in this um, in this world, it's helping people figure out how to integrate mindfulness into their days, mm. so that it's not like one more thing to your list, right? Because yeah. if you're a working mom, your list is already like this long, right? <laughs> like it's huge. And if I tell you, okay, Michelle. What you need to do is meditate for 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night. You're going to be like, yeah, it will never happen. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And not everyone likes meditating, right? I love meditating. It It makes my skin crawl. It makes me absolutely want to do anything else. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So um, I meet people where they are at and figure out what we can, because for most of us, let's, you know, we're talking about moms. So moms Mm -hmm. have a lot on their plates there's a lot of sensory stuff that comes at us all the time right but in those early days we are touched all the time right and so I remember being just touched out right Mm -hmm. now it's a real thing (laughs) I miss it it's a very real thing now of course I'm like oh I remember when I had babies I wish you know but you can only do what what you do in the moment but so 
one of the things that is re- that mindfulness helps us do is soothe our nervous systems. Mm-hmm. Right? So the techniques I teach are how to soothe your nervous system. And a lot of time we'll start with small things like during the day. So do you want to, do you want to try one? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, and if you hate it, you can just tell me you hate it. Um, <laughs> so what, but let's start here. So what do you hate about meditation or like, oh. mindfulness? like, what is it? What, it? You said it makes your skin crawl. Is it the, yeah. is it the doing it in stillness? Is yeah. it the silence? Not, what is it? I'm is not good stillness? at stillness or silence. Oh, I, I okay. need a lot of sensory input. So I find it yeah. very drowning to be so quiet and still. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So one of the <laughs> easiest things you can do is to simply tune into what you see, what you hear and what you feel. Mm-hmm. And so this is, um, I do this practice every morning when I walk the dog, but you can do it anywhere you walk. You can do mm. it when you're playing with your kids. So I don't know if you still are at that stage where you're spending a lot of time at parks. Yes. With, and on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. Parks and on the floor. And you know, it gets boring. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it gets really boring. So it's a great time to begin to build your mindfulness skills Mm -hmm. because and here's the thing when you do build your mind your baseline level of mindful awareness you have more power to change behavior patterns Mm. you also begin to live a more fulfilling life because you're able to notice that the bad things are a little less sticky Mm -hmm. and you're really able to soak in the good things yeah, you're paying attention to it all. Yeah, yeah, paying attention. So next time you're playing with your little guy on the floor or at a park, <laughs> parks are great because it's outside. You have to keep an mm. eye on them. But, <laughs> you you know, so the exercise is you let your attention wander. This is the other thing mm. is you you can, but with him, you're going to like keep your focus on him, but you're going to let your attention go wherever it wants to go with him. Yeah. Like let it go to, um, I don't know, let's say he's digging. I'm assuming, you know, we loved it digging yes there you go so let's say he's digging so your attention gets drawn to 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 him you know let's say it's the color of his shovel right Mm. so you're you're drawn to the color of you're going to zoom in on that you're going to categorize it in and we're going to divide your senses into just three categories easy what you see so that's everything in your visual field Mm -hmm. what you hear that's everything in your auditory field and what you feel so any physical sensations mm-hmm. and each of those see here feel they have an outer and an inner, but because we're going to practice with eyes open, it's going to be <laughs> visual seeing what you hear outside. Mm-hmm. You might notice some inner mental chatter, yeah. but also feeling physical feelings. But if there's any emotional feelings, so inner and outer, mm-hmm. so you're going to zoom in, let's say you zoom in on his red shovel and you stay there for like three seconds, you give it mm-hmm. the label C. And then you let your attention wander, see what grabs it next. Mm-hmm. So this practice builds your sensory clarity. So, and you say the labels to yourself. Now the labels are important because A, they quiet inner mental chatter, right? Mm. If you're saying something, it's going to keep you from whatever repetitive thought it is like, oh my God, how much longer do we have to be at the park? You know, <laughs> right. And I love, I loved going to the park with my kids, but if you do it every single day, it's, it gets a bit there's boring. some drudgery right there's some drudgery <laughs> yeah. to this motherhood thing let's just name it and so this is a way to bring back some joy so you like, mm. you zoom in on that and then what do you hear maybe you hear him or maybe you hear you know birds chirping so you would tune yeah. into that for about three seconds say here then you would let it go and then 
maybe you uh, again maybe uh, maybe you hear some laughter and so you know you might say here but then mm. you might notice oh that kind of makes me feel like lighter and so you would be yeah. like oh feel and okay. so it's just this repetition of see hear feel I do this practice every morning when I walk the dog so you can mm. do it in motion right that sounds so much better than the sit still meditation right? yeah <laughs> Yeah. And, and it's, it's a great, um, it sharpens, it really builds that core skill of sensory clarity. Yeah. That's interesting. I like that idea of, of sort of categorizing the experience yeah. to help you acknowledge it. Like, of course, yeah. if you're shelving your books, for example, you are yes. noticing them and remembering which ones you've read, which one you'd like to read much more when you're in the act of categorizing it. So That's right. that makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. And so, and it's a good way to build your skills while you're doing something else. else right. And, yeah. and when I do this now, when I walk the dog, I all, no matter what a lousy morning I've had, right. I, and I make it sound like my life is terrible. It's not, but these are <laughs> when the skills really come into play. Yeah. As I'm walking, I almost always see or hear something that makes me smile. Hmm. And then, you know, and the other, the other time it's great to do see, hear, feel is when um, the littles are in the bath. Mm, that's because a very good sensory time. <laughs> it's a great sensory time. And it's almost, well, my kids loved the bath. It wouldn't be the case if your kids hate the bath. Um, <laughs> yes, fair but enough. if they love the bath, there's lots of giggles and funny things. And so you can soak that up too. Mm. And you can, you know, there's another practice called feel good. And briefly, if you notice a feeling like it's, it's marking those moments. So like yeah. when you have a beautiful moment with your, your, your son, like pause there and yeah. soak it in, notice where you feel it in your body, right? Like, mm. do you feel it as a smile? Do you feel a softening of your shoulders? Do you feel a general like tingliness on your body? Yeah. Or do you feel just a general softening and well-being? And when we do that, when we notice those moments and soak them up, they encourage those moments to grow mm. and they help us recognize them. And then it yeah. becomes this lovely virtuous cycle, right? Mm. So, Yeah, I think we're, we're probably all in the habit of really noting and acknowledging when things are hard. You know, I've hurt my yeah. back and I'm tired right. and I've got so much right. on and I'm so busy. Right. I feel right. like this is the, the positive spin on all of that of I actually have, you know, these lovely experiences and they may not get noticed if we don't call them out this sort of negative right. bias of things to remember yes, that's right the, the psychologist yeah. rick hansen he writes a lot about neuroplasticity and about happiness mm. and he says our brains are like teflon for the good stuff it just <laughs> slides right off and velcro mm -hmm. for the bad stuff oh no <laughs> so it's a bias right that negativity yeah. bias you know as a species it's kept us alive right but mm -hmm. we don't need it yeah the same way and so it, we can change our perspective. We can, mm. you know, by doing these simple things, we can begin to turn our minds more, more towards the positive, you know, without becoming a Pollyanna, right? Like we don't have to <laughs> be like, oh, everything's great. That's not what I'm talking about. No, um, but I think I can see how that very much plays into the sort of, like you said, the modeling part of motherhood too, of making sure we acknowledge both the good and the bad and yeah. of bringing attention to those experiences. I feel like I can see how it plays in the entrepreneur space too but I'm curious yeah. if you've noticed yeah. kind of how that plays out in business owners who are taking that mindfulness practice into 
they're working into their business because I feel like I know how it works in the mum bit of it (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so um yeah how it how it well I mean look you can look at all of the articles about how it works in you know Google right and whatever (laughs) where they all are are doing it um, but in my work with uh, with people, like where I see it fitting in mm. the entrepreneurial and the mompreneur world is give it, resourcing yourself throughout the day. Mm. So um, little things, and this comes out of the Mindful Self-Compassion program, and you can find this on my um, on my blog. I have an article about this, about, you know, as a mom, when someone, like, let's say you're stressed out, you know, you're trying to manage the kids and your business, and you're just like, mm-hmm. ah. And, you know, your partner says, well, what do you need? What can I do for you? You're going to be like, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) So on um, there's, you can ask yourself what you can ask yourself, what do I need in five categories? What do I need physically Mm. to soothe my body? What do I need mentally to soothe agitation? What do I need emotionally to resource myself? What do I do need relationally to connect with people? And some people will ask, what do I need spiritually? And that isn't necessarily religion. That's just sort of connecting with something bigger than you right Mm -hmm. and so on my uh, website I have a blog post that asks all those questions and sort of walks you through them more so that's like Mm -hmm. one thing you can do is and what I do is I have a list like I'll put them on a sticky note (laughs) and I'll put it on my computer I'll put like three things so Mm -hmm. like really basic things that are boring self-care things but really work so Mm -hmm. drink a glass of water very good advice (laughs) drink a glass of water step outside and take three Mm -hmm. deep breaths Mm. right like that's it like move your body like stretch so some of those really basic things can resource you through you know through your through your day but you know uh, other things that I think are really helpful are integrating practices at transition times so when you yeah. mode when switching is is tough yeah it's well and this as with my experience with a brain injury of um, course. it's a huge it, task switching is such a huge cognitive load and so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm big on time blocking now and as much as I can mm-hmm. but it's hard to do that when you have an unpredictable small person in your house right <laughs> or two yeah right? so marking you know having little practices to help with transitions mm um are super helpful so one um especially if you find that you're like like let's say you had a I don't know what's something stressful that would happen in your business oh I feel like a bad launch having a not so great email come in all those things can really spiral you out (laughs) okay great so let's say that that let's say like you have this like not so great email come in and you're like you you start to spiral right Mm -hmm. but you know you have to go pick up your son from school or or make dinner and you have to be like mummy and you have to be present and you have to, right? (laughs) Okay. So let's say that's it. There's a practice called stop. And what it does is it gives us a pause and it's easy to remember if you, you know, because stop is a word that, you know, we get. Um, (laughs) So, and so, and the first S is for stop. So you stop what you're doing. You stop spinning out. You're like, whoa, back. Okay. Mm -hmm. And for some people, they can just be like, okay, stop going there for a second. And then the second step, other people, I have one client who likes to, for stop, she's like, okay, I'm going to imagine a lake. Like that pulls her out of whatever spiral it oh, is. She can't, yeah. She's like, I can't just stop. So we've mm-hmm. adapted the practice for her. And she, she now, like when she notices what's, you know, her particular pattern, she'll picture this lake. Yeah. Um, so that's the first S is just to recognize what's happening, right? That's mindfulness. 
Like, mm. oh my God, I'm spiraling here. T, take a breath or take mm. three deep breaths. Sometimes we don't have time for three deep breaths. We can take <laughs> one deep breath. So the T, yeah. so S is stop. T is take three deep breaths. O is observe. So pause and notice what's happening in my mind. What story mm. am I telling myself? What's happening in my emotions? So what am I feeling emotionally? Mm -hmm. And then what's happening in my body? Am I feeling tension in my shoulders? Am I feeling mm -hmm. a flush in my face? Am I feeling my heart racing? So you observe those things. And often what happens when we observe them, instead of getting carried away by them, they start to quiet a little bit already. Yeah. And so by, by stopping, taking three deep breaths and observing, we then can proceed. And most often, other options open themselves up to us. Mm. So you might say to yourself, okay, hang on a second. You know what? I am not in control of how that person's experience, you know, was <laughs> yeah. in this moment. That's not about me. You know, it, it gives you the space. Then you say, okay, I'm going to not look at that till tomorrow. I'm going to make a plan to talk to so-and-so about it to get another perspective. And mm -hmm. then I'm going to go make dinner or I'm going to go pick up my son. Yeah. So, so that's a, that's a really practical thing you can do when you feel yourself starting to go. Yeah. I like that building almost the ritual of the task shift in this like yep. intentional way of yep. making sure you can do the shift in a healthy yes. way that yes. doesn't bring all that badness into the new thing that's you're switching right. to that's yeah. right yeah it can be a relief and and it builds equanimity mm. um and then there's a long there's a longer version of that that's just called the three center check-in and that's on my um that's actually on my website for anyone to download um, mm. and so um it's a it's an eight minute guided practice but once you get the hang of, or maybe it's a five minute but once you get the hang of it you can do it in three breaths <laughs> so I love that. I think these are really practical sort of, I don't know, hack is the wrong word, but like little things yeah. you can inject yeah. into your exactly. brain, in your mind, in your practice of your day. I feel like it. it's all about easing those bits that can weigh on you. And I feel like yeah. as moms and business owners and often the two together, it can add up. It can be a lot. And I think there's, there's really like there's purpose in yeah. taking some space to make all of that a little bit less draining so you have more space for family to be that parent to be that business owner I, I really see I see the value in it you know I think a lot of us mums have a hard time doing things for quote-unquote ourselves right. so I like that sort of process you've talked through it's it's not about you know self-indulgent meditation no, or whatever exactly. it's like oh this is how I equip myself to deal with these situations with other people Yes. better and I think that's yeah. probably easy for us to, to get into right yeah I know because as mums we often put everybody else's needs mm -hmm. first but you know it's that old thing about the oxygen mask on the airplane yep. right and but it's easy to forget and you know like we 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 also have like literal demands on our time <laughs> that sometimes don't leave much but if you can fit in you know three, three minute sessions of mindfulness. And these are called mm. micro hits. I have a whole, you know, course about them. But if you can fit in these little moments of mm. mindfulness in your day, and you do three, three minute sessions, that's nine minutes of mindfulness, mm. you know, and that you begin to feel the cumulative effects. Yeah. And, and it's all about like, you know, soothing the nervous system, um, 
Yeah. These particular techniques we've done today. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. And I think a lot of us with kids who have, you know, additional needs, high needs, we really can see it live out when you're having over input in any of those areas. And like, I'm going to take notes and see how I can help my little guy with some of this too. But I think, I think there's a really lovely idea of, you know, taking some of that sensory input, acknowledging it, and then sort of putting it in the category, putting it in a drawer so yeah. that you can move on with that knowledge that like, yes, I'm feeling overwhelmed, yeah. feeling touched yeah. out. It's too loud. I'm cold. Yeah. But you can yeah. move on and do something about it rather than just living in that heightened right. anxiousness. That's it. That's it. Exactly. It's bringing yourself yeah. back into your window of tolerance, yeah. right? Because when we get stressed, right, we go, we literally, we flip our lids. Mm. Um, and so like our our prefrontal now I'm not a neuroscientist so this is basic this is general our prefrontal cortex goes offline and it's our amygdala that is running Mm -hmm. the show and we can't be reasonable and we can't make good decisions so the more you and mindfulness helps bring the prefrontal cortex back online this is if you're just listening to this you can't you can't see it but there's (laughs) you can look up Dan Siegel's hand model of the brain and you can see what I'm doing with with Michelle so um, you know if you put your hand in a fist uh, the prefrontal cortex or your fingers covering your thumb. And then when we get stressed or go into fight or flight, we flip our lids and it's that your thumb is like the, the amygdala, which is where fight or flight, which is our, the emotional mm-hmm. center of our brain is. And until you bring that back online, you can't make good decisions essentially. Yeah. And so mindfulness can help you calm, bring that back online. And sometimes all it takes is three breaths or one of my other favorite practices is, you know, really having a mindful cup of tea or mm. coffee in the morning, right? So like feeling that even if it's just the first sip, feeling the warmth of the cup yeah. in your hands and, you know, instead of scrolling on your phone or just take that one sip and that doesn't require you getting up at 5.30 in the morning to, like, I'm not, <laughs> like I, I, I did that a lot and I still do that sometimes if I need time to myself, but mm. that's not sustainable to tell moms, no. okay, for me time, you get up at 5.30 in the morning so you can have an hour because also the kids always get up. They have that mommy radar. It doesn't help. Mine were huge early morning kids as well. So these are things you can do to resource yourself through the day so that you're not quite so burned out by the end. Yeah, it's sort of giving you space to savor and giving you space to buffer. Beautiful. Oh, I love that. Savor. I'm gonna I'm writing that down. (laughs) There we go. Buffer. Oh, Michelle, that's fantastic. Take it. I well, am. I, this has been really fun. I feel like I learned a ton. I hope that listeners who maybe like me weren't that aware of what mindfulness was or had maybe brushed it off as another kind of meditation practice. I really hope it's been helpful because I feel like I learned a lot. And I, I know you have so many more resources for people to learn more about this, to go into that mindfulness practice. I know you have something particular you want to share with us. So I'm going to open it up for you to share oh, away. Great. Yes. Okay. So first of all, there are free downloads on my website. Um, so you can download a self-compassion break, which we didn't talk about, which is a great practice for mums. Um, and you can also download the three center check-in, um, which are, again, these are great short informal practices that you can do. Um, once you get the hang of them, you can integrate them when you notice you're getting upregulated. If you join my newsletter, you'll also get a 10 minute downloadable rest practice for people who might like to explore meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but also for the um, for the 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 podcast folks, the you who are listening, if you go to the link um, that Michelle's going to put there, 
I'm cre I've created a guide, which you can download for how some ideas of mindfulness practices, which you might not even think of as mindfulness practices, but you can turn them into mindfulness practices and how you can fit them into your day. Mm. Uh, and so that's just for this community. So um, I can't oh. wait to share it with you. Thank you so much. And thank you for the little extra goodie for our listeners. I know a lot of us really are short on time. And I think just having a resource like that will be hugely helpful to not add another thing on our to-do list, but really help create space in the life that's we're actually it. living. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the key, right? If we could all go to the monastery, it would be great or the spa. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great, but that's not our lives. So it's not the yeah. reality. Yeah. So well, yeah. And I, I'd love to hear from anyone. If anyone has any questions, you can reach out through the contact form. You can book an initial consult on my website. Um, but yeah, I hope that I hope the guide is supportive. And uh, if it is, please let me know. So Yes, definitely do. And I will have all the links for you to check out Erin and all of her amazing work in the show notes and on the blog. So thank you again for joining us this week on Marketing Like a Mother. If you found value in the show today and want to support some fellow mompreneurs, we really appreciate a rating or telling a business friend about the show. We'll be back next week with more marketing tips for busy mums with businesses. And until then, take care.